listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Business of Baking podcast. You're here with Michelle. I don't know who else you would be with except me, really. So I'm glad you're here. And thank you so much for listening. In recent weeks, I've gotten a whole lot of really, really wonderful feedback about the podcast and about how much you are enjoying listening to it. And I have to tell you that it makes me feel very amazing to know that there are people out there who are listening and enjoying it. And a couple of you have been recording snippets of it and putting it on Instagram stories and sharing it with your friends. And I just love that we have built this amazing community of people who like to hear what I have to say and like to hear what my interviewees have had to say. And so far, it's been a very amazing podcast season, and I'm really loving it. For the rest of the season, we're going to be doing much of the same, where sometimes you're going to get solo episodes where it's just me talking to myself and the dog in an empty room. And other times, we're going to be interviewing people who are kind of in and around our industry who I think have an interesting point of view or something interesting to teach us or something that they want to share that I think is useful. So I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. And I just, before I jumped in today, wanted to say a massive thing thank you and tell you how grateful I am that you're here and that you're listening and that you're part of the Business of Baking community. Of course, if there's somebody specific you'd like to hear me interview rather, or if there's something specific you'd like me to address or talk about, please feel free to drop me a line. I'm always happy to hear what you have to say. It's michelle at thebizofbaking.com. And honestly, this podcast is what it is because you guys enjoy it so much. I don't just enjoy making it. I enjoy the process of hearing you telling me how much you're enjoying it. So if there's a way that I can help you by bringing on guests or topics that are of particular interest to you, please go ahead and let me know. So for today's episode, last season I did this thing where I read a chapter or I read an article rather out of my book and I kind of talked about how things have changed or not changed and I had a really good time doing that and I thought I would do that again today because it was also a well-received episode. And I was going through the book last night and I'm like, oh gosh, which article do I want to read? I'm like, pricing, meh, boring, marketing, meh, you know, whatever. And there's like some kind of funny ones about like, problem child clients and whatever. And I'm going to get to those. But I decided to kind of do something a little bit different this time. And instead of reading one of the articles that I've written in there, I actually wanted to read you the conclusion of this book. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I wrote a book called The Business of Baking. It's actually based on the blog. So it's largely a compilation of blog articles I wrote over a period of about four years. And I went and I edited a lot of them and I added new content in. But it's basically like a diary of my life in the first four years of the business of baking. And it's an instruction manual for how to run a baking business. And it's kind of like your personal reference in your pocket. It's the book I wish I had when I was doing this. I wish I had a book like this, which is what made me write it actually, because I thought this is the book I wanted to have when I was creating my baking business. You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whatever, all kinds of places. If you live in Australia and you're listening to this, you can actually buy it straight off the website from me and you get a signed copy. 
which is like even nicer. So I thought I would read you this article and I'm just going to kind of stop along the way also and kind of say if I agree or disagree with what my advice was at the time. And in this last conclusion, I have to admit, I have not actually reread it. So last night I decided that I was going to talk about this in the podcast today, but I didn't reread it. So this is totally unscripted, literally no idea what's going to come out of my mouth, which is kind of a daily occurrence around here anyway. So let's start by reading this article. It says, what happens next? Dear cake maker, running a business, cake or otherwise, is likely to be one of the most rewarding and most challenging things you've ever done. Maybe you picked up this book and you got halfway through and you got totally overwhelmed. So you skipped here to the last page in the hopes of finding the keys to cake business success. I do that with fiction books all the time. I'm impatient to find out what happens at the end. So let me help you out by distilling this entire book into one cheat sheet of what I believe are the most important things I've said thus far. These are the lessons I really hope stay with you as you continue your cake business adventure. They are in no specific order because it's all important. Rule number one, your business, your rules. Now, let me stop here and say anybody who's heard me speak, teach a class, give a lecture at a cake show or something has heard me say that like forever. So it's probably no great surprise that that's rule number one. So your business, your rules. One of the benefits of owning your own cake business is that you get to call all the shots. You decide how to do things. Absolutely, it's important to get advice, read, learn, and grow more, but ultimately how you choose to do things is entirely up to you. Now, there is a lot of advice out there, so you've got to absorb that stuff, process it, and then do things in the way that suits you and your business. Your business is a reflection of who you are. Make it reflective of the best parts of you, not just a copy of someone else's ideas of what that should be. This advice is still 100% true, and I actually wish that as an industry we stuck to this advice. One of the things that really irks me about our industry, which again, you probably will have heard me mention, is how reliant we have become on other people's ideas, other people's concepts, other people's aesthetics, other people's tools, right? And part of the joy of your business, your rules, is that you get to call the shots creatively as well as anything else. So sure, this is how you conduct yourself in business, but how great if you do things your own way creatively as well. And that's something I really wish that we all remembered a little bit more often. It's not just your business, your rules from, you know, do I do deliveries or not? Or do I charge extra for a late fee or not? It's also your business, your rules from a creative point of view. Just because the whole world is out there doing those infernal freaking unicorn cakes doesn't mean that you have to. Doesn't mean that your unicorn can't have three ears and two horns, right? Do things your way because that's why you run a business. You know, when you work for somebody else, you're doing it their way in their business. And so your business, your rules is a really good opportunity to do things in a manner which suit you and please you, right? Rule number two for business success, marketing isn't optional and it has to be a consistent effort. I know you don't like it. You wish you were better at it. You want more time to do it and so on. I get that. I really do. I just want you to commit to doing it consistently in whatever way you're comfortable and able don't sit around waiting for clients to magically appear because they won't, or at least not enough of them will keep you keep your business going. You just have to keep on plugging away at marketing. You must market your business. Must. Yes, the industry feels very saturated at the moment, and there's always going to be people who are more skilled than you or who are charging less than you. So what? That's nothing new. 
the difference into the future isn't going to be if you can outskill or underprice them. The difference will be that you outmarketed them. We've all seen companies with mediocre products or crappy service succeed, and they do so because they marketed themselves well. Now, I'm not suggesting that you be mediocre or give bad service. I'm simply saying that you cannot underestimate the importance of marketing to your business. So you hate it. Well, that's nice. I don't care if you hate it. You've still got to do it. And this actually brings me to an interesting conversation. Somebody recently asked me in a Facebook group, if you had your business all over again, what would you do differently? And how would you spend your money differently? And my answer was immediate and I knew exactly what the answer would be. And the answer was I would put way more money in marketing. I thought the money had to go through, you know, skilling myself up. I thought the money had to go through having the nicest, you know, packaging or whatever, which yes, is part of marketing, but not in a bigger sense. And honestly, in many ways, I felt like my business was the best kept secret in my town. And that was a mistake. So if I had to do my business all over again, firstly, I'd start with more money than zero. But secondly, I would allocate a certain amount of funds to marketing and then I would go out there and market and make sure that more people knew I existed. So I don't consider that a mistake I made. I consider that a learning. But it definitely, if I had my time again, I would spend more money on marketing. I'd spend, <laughs> let's be real, I'd spend money on marketing as opposed to not spending money on marketing. Okay, business success rule number three, a rising tide lifts all boats. Make sure that your tide is made up of people who will encourage, push, teach, and help you. Not the whiners, the complainers, the one who will look for roadblocks and convince you that you can't get past them. Not the people who themselves are too scared to make changes, so instead they complain and they belittle. I would strongly encourage you to cull those people, groups, or organizations out of your life which no longer serve you. You don't need them. You've got growing to do. And if what they say is already not sitting well with you, you've outgrown them. Sure, we all have a good complaint once in a while because it's human nature. But if the people around you are only ever doing that, you don't need them. It's time to say bye-bye to the time wasters and the energy suckers. Oh my goodness, the number of emails I get every week saying, Michelle, my best friend isn't supportive, my husband isn't supportive, my mom thinks I'm crazy, everybody around me thinks I'm nuts. Look, you can't always get rid of family or friends, even though I'm suggesting that you try to. Sometimes it's a little bit harder, you know, easier said than done. But you can choose how you deal with them. You can choose how you engage. If you know that every time you mention your business, your sister is Debbie Downer about it, don't mention your business to her. Like literally talk about anything else. Just don't talk about that topic with her. I cannot stress enough how important it is to be surrounded by people who are also going places, not people who are staying in the same place because of fear or uncertainty or because, you know, haters going to hate, right? Which brings me to business success rule number four, according to my conclusion of my book. Haters gonna hate, so let them. You've got more important things to work on and care about. Your time and energy are your most precious resources. So spend them wisely on the people, projects, and things that deserve them. Would you rather enter into a half hour argument online with someone who's never gonna order from you or spend that half hour having coffee and a laugh with a friend who truly loves you? Or would you rather spend that half hour marketing your business or working with a business coach or doing some research into a new product? I'm just going to say this again. Your time and your energy are precious and please don't waste them. 
This is something we are all guilty of. We spend our time, particularly our online time, in groups or in situations that simply do not serve us anymore. One of my most favorite students ever, and I won't mention her name because, well, I could, but I just won't. Well, I can't because then the rest of you will get jealous. No, I'm kidding. Actually left my super VIP paid online group. And I was like, where did she go? She was awesome and amazing. And I started to fully freak out. I'm like, where has she gone? I need her in my life. And I emailed her and I was like, hey, you left the group. Like, why did you leave the group? And like other people are noticing and this is not okay. And my whole life's falling apart. And she was like, you know what, Michelle? I love that group, but I realized that I was spending way too much time in there and not enough time working on my business. And I took your advice. (laughs) And even though that group is great and the energy in there is great and I loved it, I also was feeling like I was using that group and that energy as a way of avoiding getting my work done and pushing myself forward. So as much as I miss her, I can't really complain because she actually did exactly the right thing. So sometimes we spend our energy on good things, but those good things end up being procrastinating things. So it's really important to guard your time and your energy and make sure that you're spending it as much as you can. Look, we're all human, but make sure that you're spending it on the people, the places, the things, and the environments that serve you as opposed to the one that just end up being massive, massive energy sucks, right? Rule number five, if you don't plan to succeed, you won't. I mean this in every aspect of your business. We spend way too much time on the micromanagement of our days and not enough on the long-term planning. You need to not only think about the bigger picture, but plan for it. Otherwise, all you're doing is living day to day and order to order. You need a bigger plan and you need to work out how you're going to get there and then just do it. Even if that plan only spans the next six months, at least it is a plan. Running a cake business with no plan is like having a 3D cake with no internal structure. It's highly likely to crumble. So, you know, this is the kind of thing, I want to say it was like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, I don't know, someone in tech said that most humans overestimate what they can do in a day and underestimate what they can do in a decade. Meaning we think we're going to get more done on a daily basis than we will. And we think we can get less done than we actually do on a 10 yearly basis. And you know what? I was reminded of this very thing fairly recently. You know how Facebook has that like way back when machine thing where it tells you like two years ago on this day or whatever. And I got a thing which said it was me celebrating the fact that I had launched my first ever online class, which was the very first thing I did after I sold the bakery was I launched a class called the 30 Days of Awesome. It was a 30-day kind of inspirational email class. I don't sell it anymore, but it's massively, massively popular at the time. I might have to resurrect it now. If you're interested, you know, let me know. And the Facebook thing was like, yay, I launched this class. I'm so excited or whatever. And that was four years ago. Like four years ago is not that long a time. And when I think about what happened in that four years, I gave birth to a podcast. I gave birth to a book. I traveled the world five times over teaching all over the world on nearly every continent. No cake makers in Antarctica, unfortunately, but you know, nearly every continent. I have made so many incredible friends in this industry. I've helped so many people and so many people have helped me. And, you know, I've answered, I don't even know how many emails now. And I've had so many beautiful conversations and I've had just the most amazing life experience in this industry and in the second career in this industry in the last four or five years. But I look at my daily life and I think, oh, I haven't done this 10,000 things. You know, my to-do list is still staring at me in the face, which is like not a good thing, right? So it's funny that, oh God, you know, we just, 
we have to have at least some sort of plan. You know, I'm the kind of person who I like to have a plan and then abandon the plan, but having the plan provides me with enough structure to get moving and to get going. So definitely have a plan. Okay, rule number six in this letter. All this a letter, by the way, because it sort of feels like a love letter. I'm not sure if it's a love letter to the business of baking or a love letter to you as a listener, but it feels like a bit of a love letter. Like, here's all the things that come straight out of my heart that I wish you knew and I wish you would remember. Because these are really, honestly, if I had to distill all the writing, teaching, talking, hugs that I've given in the last four and a half, five years of this, it really comes down to all of this. So here we go. Rule number six, life happens. Cakes fall over, employees get sick, kids break arms, orders for 5,000 cookies come in when you least expect it. Clients ask for stuff at the last minute. It's never about the event. It's about how you deal with it. And I'm going to repeat that because that's a lesson that I also need to relearn. It feels like every week. It's not that soon, but it feels like every week I need to relearn that lesson. It's honestly the one lesson that I try to teach my kids as well, which is it's never about the event. It's about how you deal with it. So when unexpected stuff happens in your business, I want you to do this. Have your freak out moment because we got to feel the feels, then get right the hell up and get to work on solving that problem or coming up with a plan B, a plan C, or a plan D if that's what is needed. And then learn from that experience and change the way you do things so that if there's a next time, you'll be better prepared. And honestly, that's solid life advice. That's not just business advice. It's all about not the experience, but how you dealt with it. And then the second part of that is learning from that experience and learning that you need to take that experience, chalk it up to learning. And the next time if something happens similarly or the same or done just another disaster, or maybe another awesome thing happens, like a sudden order for 5,000 cookies, you actually know how to deal with it better that next time. Rule number seven, boring but important. Policies, procedures, and systems around your business aren't optional. A family and friends policy, a deposit and refund policy, standardized recipes, a schedule for your week, a baking list. These things save your butt when everything goes to hell. Even if you own a home-based cake business that only needs or wants to do one cake order a week, you've got to systematize and formalize all the things you can. If nothing else, it'll free up a lot of your time and give you some confidence. Both things we all need more of. I'm not suggesting you automate your business to the nth degree because one of the joys and beauties of small business is that it's a small business, right? So we can do things a little bit more personally and with a lot more love and whatever. But you know what? If you are doing the same boring thing over and over and over again, that's something that can have a system to it. You know, baking happens the same way every time. Save the love for your customer service. Save your time for your customer service. As much as you are able to standardize things and make things regular, you know, what is worse than you bake a cake, comes out perfect, you love it, and then the next week you bake it again and it falls over, right? And the next week you bake it again, but suddenly a bit dry or whatever. You don't want that to happen right? So the boring but important stuff that you're going to be repeating, 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 make sure that those things have a procedure to them. Oh goodness. Rule number eight for business success. Oh man. I wish I could like tattoo this one on people's foreheads. Here's the first sentence of rule number eight. It's absolutely about the money. It's also about a lot of other stuff, but it most certainly is about the money. 
Otherwise, all of us would be doing it for free. You simply cannot complain that clients do not understand your pricing or won't pay what you're worth, but then turn around and tell me that you're doing a bunch of things for free or cheap because you're really only doing it for the love. If you don't think it's about the money, then I think you need to re-examine what the expression in business actually means. Business means the exchange of money or goods for other money or goods. In other words, by definition, business is a profit-making venture, unless you're doing it wrong. If you're not in it for the money, at least on some level, then why on earth would you sign up for the stress, the crazy customers, and the late nights? The money has to come to it somewhere in the equation. I need money to feed my kids, pay my mortgage, and buy cake tools, and go to classes to upskill myself. I can't do any of those with love alone. I believe that business is about a lot of things, including love, but it's about the money because that's what a business actually is. Anything else is just a hobby, an interest, or a pastime, not a business. You know, you can support the industry, teach your skills, give back to the industry, help people out, socialize with cake makers, make cakes for people without charging a single cent. You can actually do all that without ever being in business. So stop acting as though it's all black and white, that we must be either about one or the other. When did it become shameful or wrong to want to make a living and do it for the love? Because guess what? It's not shameful and it's not wrong. By the way, I think many, many, many people who say they aren't doing it for the money say that as a means of protecting themselves from the fear of failure. If they go into business and then they don't make money, they can always then lie back on that claim that they weren't in it for the money in the first place, and then they save themselves some embarrassment. But think about this. If they go into business and then the business doesn't work, they can't be like, oh, it was about the love anyway. It just doesn't work, right? And I think that using that expression, oh, I'm not in it for the money, is honestly a form of emotional protection, yeah? Personally, I would much rather give a business one heck of a good try and fail than only half try. As the saying goes, you will lose every single race you do not run. And me, I'd rather come in dead last than not run. But by the way, you should know, I'm hugely competitive. I don't want to lose. I would much rather win but you simply cannot win. You don't have any chance of winning unless you're actually willing to enter the race. And so I think you can be about the love, but if you're gonna be in business, you must be about the money somewhere. That just has to come into the equation, yeah? Kind of leads on to... Rule number nine. Stop wasting money on stuff you won't actually use, truly enjoy, or grow from. Business owners suffer from, ooh, shiny disease a lot. There's a lot of really cool videos, tutorials, and tools out there. You don't need all of them. You need to prioritize the ones you want versus the ones you just need or the ones you feel sucked into by your peers or peer pressure. Just because something is cheap, that doesn't mean you should have it or you need it. Sometimes it's a bit better to save up for the bigger thing, which is going to last longer than buy the cheap thing over and over. Your spending should be an investment and not just an expense. You know, you're going to get a lot more long-term value and happiness out of hiring a bookkeeper or a house cleaner or whatever than you will buying yet another $3.99 video that you'll never watch or a shaped cake pan that you'll never use again. 
you know, I'm all for a little bit of indulgence, especially if that indulgence involves cookies or chocolate. But just giving in to every whim isn't indulgent. It's actually foolish from a business point of view. So one of the things that I read from a personal level is I read a guy by the name of Ramit Sethi, which I think I've mentioned on this podcast before. And he talks about this concept of living a rich life where you spend lavishly on the stuff you truly care about, but you cut mercilessly on the things you don't care about. And I think that that is great advice for a small business too. The stuff you genuinely care about, the things your customers genuinely care about, spend lavishly on those things. The thing that nobody's going to notice and nobody's going to care and isn't going to bring you much joy or love, honestly, slash and burn, baby. Slash and burn. So that is solid advice. Rule number 10 there have to be boundaries. Oh my goodness, this is a huge topic. The only way to have a life and a business is to have boundaries. So please stop answering your phone after 6 p.m. Don't take orders via text. Don't work on Mondays if that's not your thing. Whatever. Decide what your boundaries are and then live by those boundaries and teach your clients about those boundaries. You've made the time to run a business. This means that you can make the time to have a life too. Look, let's be real here. We work in cake or food. We're not brain surgeons. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not important or we don't service the world in an important way, because we do. It just means that when it comes to cake, nobody is in mortal danger. So emergencies are not really emergencies. Their order can and will wait until Monday morning for you to call them back. And just because they forgot they have 100 people coming over in the next half hour, it's not really a great reason enough for you to miss your husband's birthday party or your daughter's concert. Choose to have a life outside of your business and you do that by setting boundaries. And by the way, boundary setting is not just important with customers who are strangers. Boundary setting is really important with customers and friends and family or people you know personally. They are the ones who you give them an inch and they take a mile. I cannot stress this enough. Boundaries, 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 boundaries. Your business, your rules implies you have rules. So make sure that you are putting them out there, yeah? And the last thing I have to say in this letter is this. Like I said, being a small business owner is hugely rewarding and hugely challenging. But I believe that the lessons we learn doing it stay with us for a lifetime long after that cake gets eaten and the oven gets turned off. Let me leave you with this thought. There are only three directions one should go both in life and in business. Onwards, upwards, or forwards. I invite you to come along with me for the ride, whichever option you choose. But please take note that backwards is not one of those options. With love and a whole lot of rainbow sprinkles, Michelle. And I have to say that every bit of that advice is advice that I would happily give somebody today. And maybe that's not the kind of advice you're after. Maybe you want to know, should I give a friends and family discount? Should I use only organic sprinkles? Should I offer cream cheese icing when I'm not supposed to? Honestly, any little question you have about your business is always going to come back to those bigger points that I just made. Boundaries are important. Marketing is not optional. Your business, your rules is going to be the mantra that I will keep from now until forever, really. 
because that's why we're doing this. We don't want to play by somebody else's rules. I don't know if you've ever heard that expression, you know, there's a lot of ones like that, you know, when you're at somebody else's party, you play by their rules. When you're in somebody else's sandbox, you borrow their, you know, shovels or whatever. It's all the same. A big reason why we go into business, even if I think we don't recognize it immediately, is because we get to do our own thing. Is doing your own thing easy? Nah. Is it simple? Nah. Is it probably the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life? Yeah, absolutely. But the point is that it's your own thing. And you got to own it, sister. You got to own it. That's the thing. So as you go forth from listening to today's episode into the wide, wide world, I just want you to remember that your business, your rules, you get to do things your way, but your way should have some rules, some boundaries, some marketing, and a little bit of a life in there too. In fact, not just a little bit, but a whole lot. And on that note, I am showering you with rainbow sprinkles. And if you're wondering why rainbow sprinkles, it's because there's no more cheerful food in the universe than a rainbow sprinkle. Can you think of any food item that's happier than rainbow sprinkles? I mean, like possibly Skittles, but they're just giant rainbow sprinkles. So I sign all my letters with, with love and rainbow sprinkles because I sincerely hope that that is what your life is full of. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.